P. Terry's for breakfast today, Ramon. No, this is from last night. I did the thing where I, uh, I got home after work with food and uh, fell asleep on the couch immediately and woke, <laughs> up, woke up to a full iced tea. Was it watered down, though? Watered down iced tea, but, you know, it's got but a little... But watered down iced tea is okay <laughs> because sometimes they, they kind of brew it really strong. Yeah, they do. I so love... It ends up not really affecting the taste. Love unsweetened iced tea so much. I just, it's my really? Favorite, it's my favorite thing to drink. Yeah, it really is. You I know? thought you were a coffee guy. Well, I love coffee, but... But you prefer unsweetened iced tea. I like, you know, I like a cold beverage if I'm out eating. Yeah. And I love water. <laughs> but you don't hear love, much love for water these days. Also love, and, you know, and, and after that storm dropped like a, so many trillions of gallons on the state, most people are not big no. fans of water this right is, now. This is, uh, you know, this is Austin, so you know we love our our limestone filtered uh, fizzy water. Uh, uh, Rambler, Rambler, Rambler. How's they, Rambler doing? I don't guys? know. I haven't seen it anywhere, so I don't know what their market share is looking like. Yeah. Quite yet, Pick it up for this week's games, Rambler, Rambler. Hey. uh Welcome to the to the uh, Tailgate Tangent Media's Hyperlocal Podcast. I'm Ramon Ramirez, one of the hosts. You know Austin Reese. You know Austin Talbot. Hello. Um, today we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get somber here. We're gonna talk about a lot of things. We're gonna talk about Texas football a little bit. You know, this is if you want if you want the straight dope, then check out Tailgate Tangent when it comes back eventually at some point. Yeah, uh, this is the pulse of Austin this, right this now. This is the pulse. Yeah, and it's it's not like a morose place, I would say, but it's it's a little somber. Um, well, the, the hits have just kept coming to this part of the country. It's well, I, okay. So we were going to do a Hurricane Harvey preview podcast. Now, in hindsight, it's a good thing we didn't because we probably would have said we probably would have casually ripped on Hurricane. Yeah, Harvey. we probably made some jokes. We regret. Can it. I? Yeah. yeah. Can I say something? I want to admit, in uh, interest of full transparency, I've told this to a few people, but Hurricane Katrina, you may remember that that I've guy, heard of it, yeah. that girl. She was actually smaller, much smaller than Harvey. Hmm. Um, remember the hype going into Katrina? That was a, big, a very hyped hurricane. Um, it was hyped as this is going to destroy everyone. Hyped as big as Texas New football. And then the first 24 hours were really nothing. Yeah. Uh, and you could probably compare it somewhat, not completely, to, but just now the more we, the more we understand where the real devastation of hurricanes can come from, i.e. 50 inches of rain. So I came to school the next day, and we had been watching the day before in journalism stuff in the newsroom, and we were like, oh, this is disappointing. Katrina sucks. It didn't bring any – didn't bring – like I, we were literally were saying that in the newsroom. Like probably like all newsrooms all over the country were saying is like we've built this up on the yeah. front page. We've led every newscast for this, and we just got some rain. And we see the guy at CNN standing on Bourbon Street, and like nothing's happening. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, a few weeks later, no one was saying that because it's the aftermath. It's the the systems failing, the levees failing, the the whatever the bayou. No, it wasn't the bayou. What's what was the thing? Like the reservoir flooding it was all the things that you saw. The compounding effects. Well, because of rain for for years, though. I mean. For years and years and years, New Orleans was, hey, guys, it's a big cereal bowl, and it's only a matter of time before a big hurricane. Yeah, it's below up. sea mm-hmm. level. A lot of it has For been years. built with trash. They've they've grown. I don't mean that in an insulting way. They've grown the landmass mm-hmm. with landfill trash. So it's like they've created this out of swamp. And after Katrina, 
in recent years, you look at some of the reporting that the Tribune did with ProPublica last year with uh, our good friend of the pod, Kia Collier, saying, hey, guys, Houston is really yeah. – Yep. is really going to get it from a nasty storm. Yeah, they yep. had that interactive story. Yeah. Was that the one you're talking about? Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They it did a lot really of great reporting. Yeah. They looked, they ran the models. But mm-hmm. that, I think, and this was coming from, I think, both FEMA and the National Weather Service, the doomsday scenario is a was like a Category 4 or 5 coming up the Houston Ship Channel. So I think even there was some public awareness of like, okay, Houston isn't in a good spot. It's vulnerable. It's definitely. vulnerable, but it was like when people saw the week leading up, they're like, oh, it's going south. Yeah. We're going to be, we're not, it'll be bad, but it's not the worst case scenario. Uh, and maybe that's what kind of fed into, I don't know. I don't want to put myself, this isn't a political discussion. I don't want to put myself in the why there was a decision not or not made to say, Hey, this is a big deal. Maybe we should evacuate people in certain areas. Well, the idea, right? That what everybody says is is that you can't evacuate Houston. Is that it would have no, no, not you can't evacuate. Obviously, the whole city. Oh, right. You're we're talking about areas. one of the fourth the fourth largest metro area. Six point six million people. Um, something. Obviously, like that. I look. I'm not a general. I'm not going to claim to say I can move six million people in an efficient way. I I don't know if they even have the maps and say you evacuate this strategic evacuation um i don't know if that makes that better or not but sometimes you don't want to induce hysteria obviously because then no one that needs to get out can get out safely um but there was just kind of a i'm not saying this was actually expressed from authorities but the whole attitude it seemed from knowing a lot of people in houston and all over the area it was very laissez-faire of like Okay, we hear what they're saying, like, oh, it might we might get a lot of rain, but it was like, this isn't a hurricane event. It's not. People think the hurricane is the wind and the storm surge, and like that's what's gonna, like, it's like a tornado, like it's gonna rip them out of their house. Well, that doesn't happen. Uh, I mean, people survive in shacks on Caribbean islands with 185 mile an hour winds. Not everyone. I'm saying I'm not trying to lessen um, the impact that. A huge hurricane, right? But he, what you're saying is the Houstonites weren't really emotionally ready for that sort of s- the surge, the storm surge, and the idea, or that or the 50 inches of rain. I know yeah. that was historic, but they weren't. E- they were told this thing can linger for a week and drop a lot of rain, catastrophic flooding. That's what the National Weather Service said, life-threatening flooding. And yeah, people yeah. were just like, "Okay, yeah, uh, we'll be okay." Yeah. Uh, and, and and you saw it repeatedly. I mean, there was there was the fam, you know. Uh, some of the best reporting on this is the 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 human story of the guy who stayed behind. You know, there was a 60-year-old man who lived in Galveston, and he and his wife just kind of stayed behind, and then all of a sudden a tree fell through their house, and they got their dogs, and they got in their F-150, and they started driving, and uh, they, got, they got caught, and their truck was basically stuck, and they spent about... Um, about eight hours sort of up to their necks in water in their truck just waiting for the just waiting for the storm to subside and he said he told the dallas morning news he said you know when i was young i used to race motorcycles but this is the stupidest thing i've ever done yeah (laughs) the chronicle had a good story it was like that big story came out on maybe monday or tuesday it had like the five different uh stories all interlinked together it had the one about the meteorologist who writes that blog this is the houston chronicle houston chronicle space city weather space Space city City weather Weather. and like so i was gonna say even he 
who's like an expert on it, and he was trying leading up to it, he was trying to remain calm, like you're saying, like not to well, yeah, you kind of be like, hey, here are the facts. When you run a yeah. successful blog <laughs> or local he, podcast, yeah, his, he said his like page. You don't want to induce yeah. panic and hysteria because like yeah. we have freedom of speech, but let's have some respect for people. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I um we had friend of the pod Blake mm-hmm. and TV's Chris Tavares. We had our big fantasy football draft in Houston the Saturday of Harvey. And up until Friday, we were going to have it. Uh, me and Rob Rich and some other fellows, we were going to drive into Houston. And my wife was like, you're not driving to Houston. Yeah. Though and a lot of people still sh- did show up. A lot of people showed Unless up. Unless you're taking a boat. I heard there was yeah. a lot of shade thrown Ramon's way, saying, hey, it's just a little rain, just, little just rain a little Ramon. rain, Ramon. Yeah. And that was, I mean. Here's a poncho. You couldn't afford one? <laughs> Rob, <laughs> Rob drove into Dallas and then drove out of Dallas, like drove in from Dallas and then left. Uh, what we did at the last minute is we moved the draft up from Saturday to Friday night. And then, of course, had we had it that original Saturday night on the 20, 27th or 28th or whatever, it would have been, yeah, it would have been, been brutal. But yeah. even on Friday morning, we didn't realize that by Saturday afternoon, downtown Houston would be totally flooded. We just didn't, we, we couldn't wrap our head around that. Yeah. Uh, we just thought, and, and this is the, what's interesting about Houston, you know, Katrina, what's devastating about Katrina is that a hurricane hit New Orleans and the people who were affected were people of lower socioeconomic status. So it created that much more of a shit show. People without flood insurance, uh, landlords asking for rent, people who had nowhere to go. Yeah, people that a lot of the times, even when they were told to evacuate, didn't 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 have the means. Didn't have the means. Yeah, couldn't, like don't have a transportation, one, a place to go. Money. Maybe they've never been out of their neighborhood or city, but right like now. they don't even have reliable transportation. Exactly. So when you say go, uh, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, if there wasn't a bus to pick them up. Um, yeah, there wasn't anywhere to go. There's nowhere to go. There's and if go. all your possessions, yeah. if all your wealth is the home that you have and your family's had, just like think about the likelihood of you willingly leaving the only thing you have. And these stories that are coming out of like the undocumented immigrants and like or yeah. DACA recipients, you know, all that and like what do you do after all this? Well, like, what's yeah, I mean, what's 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 bad is that there's 600,000 Houstonites who are, who don't have legal status, yeah. who aren't eligible for FEMA, who don't have flood insurance, who who are, who are just kind of their like whole lives upended, like who are, who are in a really, starting over, really tricky spot. And mm-hmm. so the the relief effort for Houston proper for for the Houston area is really beginning. Now the good news is that from a loss of life standpoint, it's been about yeah. seventy. I think that's the last number I saw. Uh, le- yeah, less, less than that. Le- less than a hundred, which yeah. which is which is you know hey pretty good bad and average. Yeah. Um, now if we can line the mood a little bit. Austinites, because this is a hyper local podcast. Yeah, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. Who really cares about Houston? Austinites, I'm please kidding, stop. Sir. Every time there's a storm in Houston, we just love to make it about ourselves, don't mm. we? Uh, gas shortages, running to the grocery now, store. Now, Ramon, let's can we can we pause real fast? I want let's do a little Monday morning quarterbacking. Let's do it on the gas shortage thing. I don't want to get too big on my soapbox, but. It did start in Dallas. It, that was Dallas's fault. The hysteria yeah. started in Dallas, and as much like all bad, and things. I'm talking for six hours, for six hours that day, whatever it was last week, it was all over the news in Dallas. Were you up there at this point? No. Oh, okay. It, and it still hadn't affected Austin. Austinites were still kind of chill, like yeah, whatever. You know, we buy gas when we. I think Katie got we, gas. We fill Friday. up five dollars at a time. Yeah. After our gigs, when we have enough money to get gas, yeah. and we drive <laughs> it, money from the show. We know exactly yeah. how many miles we can go once the the light comes on. Well, but, I'll, start, I'll, I'll go ahead. So it, it it hadn't affected, and then I was actually leaving Austin that night, uh-huh. and then by about mm, 
eight or nine o'clock once people got off work and had been really comp- really pounded by the national media and the social media and social media and then the local media started reporting it saying it's not an issue but here are like pictures of lines it's of, like of, it's not an yeah, issue yeah. the state says there's plenty in supplies mm-hmm. it's just if you all go on the same day people it's gonna yeah your, or, and your gas were, station gets gas once a week or twice yeah. a week or three times but a week. But people were filling up massive like barrels. Like well, I, I saw a few trash, people doing trash that. Cans. Trash cans and things like this. And you're just like, Are you kidding? But like, again, I, I talked to our boy Jose over at American Fuels, friend of the pod, sponsor of the pod. Nice. And uh, I think it was like a Thursday afternoon when the when when the hysteria was I really believe hitting. It, yes, yeah, it was Thursday. When, when people were people at work were like, "Hey, I'm using my lunch break to go get some gas. Mm-hmm. You better do the same. Starting to get bad out there." And then by that evening. Everybody was like, holy shit. Guys, it's Mad Max out there. Mad Max. And what people kept saying was, you guys, you're probably going to be fine if you can do without gas for three or four days. And everyone's like, three or four days? Yeah. I got Labor Day weekend plans. And so that's that's where it really compounded. And 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 Jose sent me a picture of five of a of a little little SUV and he had five gas canisters strapped to his strapped to his back. And he's like, dude, I think this is gonna be pretty bad. And sure enough. Uh, you, you know, you can you can track like what there's like a little app where you can see yes. what stations have gas. Thursday night and Friday they were pretty tapped out, and then by the time you got into Saturday, it was it was basically fine. So I I was fine. I didn't fill up until this week at like Thursday. You didn't freak out. You no. said, "Hey, but I my did tank, tell my tank's half full. I drive this many miles a week. Yeah, I'll be okay." But I I, I did I guess contribute because I told Katie to get some on the way from work because she drives to Georgetown every day for work. Dude. So I was like, "Hey, you're driving 60 miles a day." Just, yeah. just do it, just to be safe, bro. I, yeah. I mean, I did the same, and yeah. the issue is, two things can be true. There is no gas shortage, but guess what? People, people are great. Mobs are stupid. Yeah. And and sure enough, we created a gas. Yeah, we a gas shortage. Yeah. So I wasn't gonna exactly. I wasn't gonna be stuck without gas. I yeah. woke I woke up at four thirty in the morning on Friday, and just said. Gonna go do it. I think so. It's lucky she. You goes, woke she up at four thirty. Yeah, yeah. Because okay, to fill up your car. Yeah. And how how empty was your car? Three quarters of a tank. I was good, but I needed to top. You want to top her off. You want to top her off a little bit <laughs> for what? You want to top her off the impending. Uh, I, I think I worked head coming in from North. Korea. I worked like, for home what? like three days that week just because I was like, all right, I guess I won't drive. <laughs> I had plans that night. I was gonna drive. Uh, I was gonna drive all the way up to Anderson Lane. Drive south. <laughs> Then, you uh, going to the Grand or something? Yeah, <laughs> literally, that's what I did. Did you? Nice. Uh, I've been to the Grand three times in the past month. Heck yeah! I really. We well, went last weekend. Really love it. Yeah, man. shooting a lot of pool. Good spot. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to get good at pool. Um, it's uh, it's one of those skills I think is very cool to have. It's cool to have. Yeah. You don't want to be the guy. Look, if nothing else, fellas, don't don't be the guy who can't break. <laughs> no, guy, gosh, yeah. Like, <laughs> don't be the guy. So there's two extremes. Don't be the guy that can't break, and don't be the guy that carries his own pool cue into oh, yeah. the grand. Unless well, that's your game. Unless unless you're just that is your bag. And I got I got to be frank. So back back when I was uh, right out of school, you know, when you, when you graduate college and all your friends move away and you stay in the same college hometown, and you have friends who are, like I remember being buddies with Blake, and Blake was like, "Hey, do you want to come to this party?" And I'm like, "Dude, I'm I feel kind of weird going to a college party. I'll see you on the other side." <laughs> um, uh, like you don't have any friends, and so what happens was what happened was. My my now wife's good friend Jessica. She was on. A, she was like, "Hey, you want to join my Slick Willie's pool team?" Nice. And I did, and I got my ass handed to me routinely, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and, and I met my buddy Randy, and they, I I ended up l- kind of leaving the team because I wasn't. They went to Vegas for a pool competition. Oh wow! But anyway, so I I, I meet my buddy Randy on Wednesday nights, and, and folks half pool, half off pool at the Grand on Wednesday nights, and Randy walks in with his little with his little like case. 
and his little like five hundred dollar cue. Oh man! And uh, and he can he can just he it's not it's not close when we play right. But it's made me a better player, and it's made me less less shitty. You got to lose a lot to to eventually get better. But the point is, it's 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 very relaxing. Yes. And the grand, and they got the nine foot tables. They yeah. got the seven foot tables. They got the six foot tables. So whatever your game is. Mm-hmm. Go on down to the and grand. they have great specials every night. Great, just, great, just yeah, great specials. Under, okay, pizza, pretty yeah. good bar food. Yeah, uh, good jukebox. I mean, if you like the classic rock stuff. Which, oh God! Hey. We thought this tape had been waterlogged <laughs> live from a raft. We found a working one. We fished it out. The nice thing about analog is it sometimes survives water. Digital, not as well. Nope. It's the Hyperlocal Podcast. We want to apologize to our three to five listeners for the layover. Yeah, the hiatus. Uh, it was unexpected. We had Harvey... Life. We had Hurricane Herman. Hur- Hurricane Herman. Hurricane Jeffrey. Hurricane Stevens. Hurricane Herman was kind of the opposite. Oh, Tom Herman. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was supposed to be a Category Five. It really petered out. It really was Herman's hermits. So didn't really deliver it, yeah. anything. The hermits couldn't stand up the to the, the fighting turtles. turtles yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, from Hor- the crab state, Hor- hermit crabs got nothing on the real crabs. I think. My last comment. I think the best part of the, of the football game was the announcer saying, "Crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does." Uh, that happened at one point Jesus. on Who's, TV. Who said that? Uh, one of the game announcers. I can't remember. But Whatever it, was, it said. It kudos to great you, moment. sir. It was you a know, great doing moment. Your, yeah. your research. Yeah. <laughs> I lived in Washington D.C. in the D.C. metro area for three years. I have about ten cousins who went to Maryland, and uh, I know about thirty people who went to Maryland. Yeah, you got a. So this one stung. Yeah, because their Facebook was just like, hey, what do you know? We just beat Texas. Yeah. They're like, wait, we haven't won a game like this in a long time. Then you, you should have been like, actually, guys, Texas um, shouldn't have been ranked. It shouldn't really count for you. But also, according to 247 Sports, 24-7. 24-7 or 247. <laughs> Every time. According to 24-7. Well, put a dash. 36-5. Put a guys, dash, guys. There's put a, a dash, dash in the logo. Put a dash. Is there... Uh, Hey, they had Maryland as the twenty num- ranked number twenty one in terms of aggregated talent going into the game. So that the reason why we we felt good is that the quarterback sucked, and then he got hurt, and it didn't matter. <laughs> didn't matter. Didn't matter. Third and nineteen yeah. for a true freshman quarterback converting, and that's your ball game, folks. Fifty one forty one. Okay, fifty one. We're gonna do a fun segment here. Fun segment. Fun. I family. know a lot of you out there in Austin. Austin's a more diverse. It's a bigger place. It's not so UT-centric. It's not college football-centric. A lot of people aren't even sports fans here. I know. It makes me sick. When we think about how it breaks down for the 0.1 percenters, the 0.1 percenters, I think, represent 0.1% of everyone here in town. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them aren't sports fans. So if someone's not a sports fan, if they're not a UT fan, if they went to some different school or they didn't go to school, which is okay. Or they don't – I mean – or they didn't see the game. There's a there's so a, maybe someone like me. There's a storm surge of people who went who went to colleges that didn't have big football programs and just don't care about college football. There's a lot of people like people who went to the University of North Carolina. Shout out to a friend of the pod, Kim. Went went to uh, UNC. Really into basketball. Doesn't care about football in yeah. any way, shape, or form. It's re- it's really it's really well. Ever since uh, Mac Brown left, it was just 
it was just so hard on them. God, and we we would complain. We would complain that these games were too easy. <laughs> we would complain that nobody wanted to see. I don't remember that game one of the yeah, yeah first game winning fifty six to three or well, something. Uh, I don't remember that. I, I've been a season ticket holder for twenty years, fellas, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Back when you were ten. Well, yeah. You know, my mom's been a professor at UT, at UT since okay. the 80s. Family. Family, family. season tickets. Family season tickets. It's that old money over here. That old Austin money. That, the blue that, hairs. The, Ramon Ramirez. Hey, there's the blue hairs on, the, uh, on there, the west side. There's a lot of wealth in public education. You're actually on the east side, though. I'm, an, I'm on the south side. My, my parents are on the deep south. Deep <laughs> south. No, no, I'm saying at the stadium. I'm on section 29. Yeah, you're not on the east side. Section 29. You're not the real old, old money. No, 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 no. Not the money. Not in the shade money. No, we're not in the shade. Not in the shade, <laughs> folks. These th- Texas football and Daryl K. Royal is back. Is Texas is back, folks? Right. Uh, Pennies. The cake is baked. Yeah. The cake is baked. Um, that was my favorite Charlie Strongism. Was the cake is baked? I really loved it. Uh, Following through. That means uh, Tom Herman is not very good at frosting. You just gotta. You just gotta bake the cake. He's not very good. You just at gotta frosting. The, the cake, cake is baked. You just gotta pull the cake yeah. out of the oven. Yeah. And and decorate it, folks. Texas football games, and this is what they don't tell you. This is the straight dope. <laughs> they suck. They're brutal. They're, they suck. There's, you get one <laughs> good one a year. Even when you're good, you're playing nobody. So you're playing Kansas, Iowa State, the Ragin' Cajuns. These games suck. Uh, Those are the good old days back at 2005. Started the season like 60 to nothing versus yeah. the Ragin' Cajuns. 2003, New Mexico State. Like all these shitty games. University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. 2001, all these shitty games. All these games are just garbage. Even when, oh, Texas Tech's coming in. They're ranked number 17 in the country. Well, the last look out se- for Tech. And it's the like, last seven it's years, though. It's beat down still. Yeah. The last seven years, if you're not a Texas fan, the home games have been very exciting. You've had overtime games. You've had shootouts. You've had a oh, lot of... home. Yeah, home a lot game. of great, crazy home games. You've had BYU come in. You've had you've a lot had, of teams come in here and win. Iowa State. Iowa State. And, you've had a lot of... Ba- and you know what? The Notre Dame game was so much, so much fun. Double overtime. Double so overtime. Much fun. Hey, All we that, thought Texas was back. Texas is back. <laughs> All that bonus football. How did you feel, Austin Talbert? Because I remember you, you had this great story. By the way, I want you to tell the story again. because One, because hope springs eternal. Two, because it's very useful. How did you get your ticket for the Notre Dame game last year? This is a game you look on StubHub, SeedGeek. You can't find anything. Yeah, I mean, this was, a, this was a, one of those gas runs. Mm-hmm. There was a run on Notre Dame tickets. <laughs> Big old run. Well, it was actually a constrained supply. Uh, just met some guy from... That I think worked for Modelo. No, 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 no. Wait, the way you told it is because there's a specific. I don't know if it's true. This is there's a, a useful reader, uh, listener service oh, yes, to this. Yeah. Hey, folks, do you want to go to the University of Texas football game? No. Here is no. Ramon just told us it was awful. But say you do. Say you yeah. do. Say you do. Okay. And I, we're doing one of those things where you choose yes, no. You yes, take your no. Path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Say you do. The way to do it is just go down there on game days. Go to gate one. Yes. Put one finger in the eye, in the in the air, meaning yes. I need one ticket. Yes. And then what? Uh, well, now there will probably be multiple people handing you tickets, <laughs> stacks of saying tickets. five dollars at the no, moment. no 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 stacks of tickets stacks. saying please take these please don't subject my family to this five free tickets with the horns show up. Um, no yeah, for a game in demand, your odds are less good, but you could still get it if you're looking for a single. Um, somebody will have an extra. It's just Texas. Um, now, for any game this season, regardless of how this season goes, even if Texas, I think, turns around, we're talking about seven years of extended misery. Mm-hmm. Um, the cynicism, if it hasn't set in on everyone, I mean, you got to talk about people that have total whiplash that 
Mac Brown had the ship steered. He got. I've got it fixed. No, three years of kind of middling. New coach, ex- excitement about that. Good recruiting classes. Uh, new attitude at Texas football. Charlie six, Strong. Six different quarterbacks. Three years of that. Five, five quarterbacks. Uh, five quarterbacks. Five values. Yeah. Four offense coordinators. I think in the last yeah. four years. Um, Can you name them all? You had Sean Watson. You had Jay Norvell. Who else? Uh, had, uh, Ster- Sterling. 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 Giblet. Sterling. Sterling. Oh man. Old Giblet. Who else? Sterling Gilbert. And uh, now whoever this. Oh, guy is got now. it. Got the the current guy, mm-hmm. the this the guy now. The guy from the P, Tim Beck. Tim Beck. Oh, Tim Beck. Not even close. Beck. This is a guy that, uh, and again, hindsight is twenty twenty. But a lot of people, again, what we need to do right now. I don't want to get on. What, I don't want to get on my soapbox. Tell you what, Jay Norvell, the promoted wide receivers coach, who 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 had the reins to the offense for like three months. Yeah, he wasn't that bad. He he was very well, bad, but I mean Giblet fun, was but fun bad. If fun you look bad. at last <laughs> year's results with the true freshman quarterback, Giblet was great. Oh, that's the yeah. other thing is that Shane Bouchelle sucks a lot, and I, I don't want to. St- this this isn't about insulting eighteen. Uh, so okay, no, again, no, of course not. Let's let's start Except over. Except he's nineteen. Probably, let's start no. over for the point one percenters. Point one percenters, specifically Austin Talbert, who didn't see more than thirty seconds of the game, um, and haven't really read about it because why didn't you watch the game? I thought you were. You're I was working the whole time. Oh, okay, that explains. Um, I was uh, setting up a large tailgating event at TCU right outside their stadium. And uh, they won something to something. But yeah, they, they played also played... Sisters of the Four. They whatever. also played Jackson State, who I... No offense to my um, historical black college brothers out there. I didn't even know it was a school. And you could oh, say Jackson that's State. my deep-seated racism. I've heard of Grambling. I've heard of Southern. I've heard of Prairie View A and M. Well, you've always heard of these co- of these uh, small black colleges based on like the one NFL player they produced. The HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Oh, Steve McNair went to Alcorn State, of course. Yeah, I've heard of Alcorn State. Yeah, uh, I have never heard of Jackson State. Now, I assumed it was in Mississippi. It is apparently in Jackson, Mississippi, um, but I never heard of it, so I didn't know their mascot. I didn't know they were a historical black college and university. I didn't know that at all. I just knew that. They were getting paid a lot of money to play TCU, yeah. and uh, nothing wrong with that. They took their check, and we took our check, and um, both were kind of hard days for for both groups. But I think we survived; they survived. So I didn't see any of the game. I saw thirty seconds of the game. I turned on um, the game on our video wall at about eleven forty, and it was twenty-seven to seven. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And I said, <laughs> "Interesting. I don't know." How to explain this? Maybe there's been some special teams touchdowns. But even then, I was maybe it's been there's some pick six. Yeah. But I said, oh, it's the first game. Yeah. You know, working out the case. Maybe they're going to win thirty-five to twenty-seven. Maybe they'll have figured it out. Um, then my phone, I saw something that didn't confirm that, and I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, that said, before I get so explain to me, you don't have to go too deep. Don't go play by play. But no, what what? From your view in Section 27, Ramon 29, Ramirez. Section 29. Section 29, a little bit further over. Uh, as a 20-year season ticket veteran. That's right. What happened? Very straightforward. Defense wasn't prepared. It's, it's, a, it's a two-pronged answer. It, the, the, sh- the, the long and short of it is the defensive line was atrocious. I mean, Texas is rushing seven and getting no pressure and giving up a lot of big plays. Like you said, flurry of special teams mistakes. I think two block field goals for Texas. Wait, that was what they used to do. That's what they yeah. used to do. It was a. It was kind of a. 
a cauldron pot of every problem that has ever plagued Texas in the past six it, yeah, years. Yeah, it was like a Charlie Strong era yeah. highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, two two prong answer. But they have a new locker room. <laughs> yeah, new locker One, room. Defensive line just was very terrible. very bad, just yeah. terrible. And then number two, and, and and it hurts me to say this because he showed a lot of grit and toughness, but I just think Shane Bouchelle sucks. And <laughs> and this guy is like. Again, I didn't see the game, but but also, but this uh, guy is the classic overreact. Like <laughs> over last reaction. year, he's yeah, like yeah. he's a promising freshman, and now it's like one game in his sophomore season. No, well, because I've not seen even a sophomore slump. He was, sucks. Yeah, I've been there for every Shane Bouchel home game. He sucks, yeah. and unfortunately, <laughs> we're not seeing him come of age or turn a corner, and that's a so, problem. But yeah. and, and by which I mean, so again, yeah, yeah. The, the real issue is Tom Herman wants to run his offense, and he's got Shane Bouchelle doing it. Shane Bouchelle's not dynamic with his feet. So he maybe He can't get to the edge. He can't cut no, the field. So can maybe we could say Shane Bouchelle sucks as a Tom Herman-style quarterback. Well, but what I mean by sucks is, and it's not fair to just say sucks. I, what I mean is that I think in football it's very easy to lose your confidence and to lose to, 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 when, when, when you don't have good protection. Gilbert. When you don't have good protection for a year, and all you can think about is that rush that's coming at you and how little time you have and, and your pocket awareness isn't great to begin with. And you can't settle your feet and you struggle to throw over the middle of the field. And last year, they barely threw over the middle of the field. It was a lot of screens to that the was, sidelines. I mean, if you understand the Baylor offense, that's just the construction of the offense. And but, you can't really argue. Mm, when no. Art Browse was there, they had the top scoring, top gaining, top raping offense <laughs> in all of college football for like six years. So it did what it was supposed to do. No, 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 no. no. It, it, it was, it was, sh- again, it was just Shane Bouchelle lacking. I just think, okay, I, I think he's, I think he's set up to, again, we, we can agree that he's in a position where he's set up to fail, where he's, where he. So can, whose fault is that? He's a 19 year old kid. But you want to, you, you're dogging no, the 19 year old. I'm just saying, no, no, no. You asked me, why okay. didn't Texas win? Okay. And it's, it's Shane Bouchelle's struggle to settle into that offense, and he, his pocket awareness was bad. His footwork was bad. He could he never settled his feet and he and stepped into a throw. He wasn't a good middle linebacker either. I mean, Malik Jefferson really. I mean, he's he's not really a rushing linebacker. He's well, he shouldn't cover guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think again, and again, not seeing the game, taking what you're saying here, um, it sounds like the awareness from the new coaching staff of the players that they already had, their strengths and their weaknesses didn't actually apply into the preparations for the game. I think that's fair to say. But again, two 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 issues. Shane Bouchel had a bad game in which he struggled to get How up. many points did Texas score? 41. 41. Dude, don't 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 talk to me about stats. It's a high volume offense. He mi- he missed 30 throws. How uh, many did thro- you watch the game or not? I mean, how, I'm, I'm how, telling ma- you. how many throws did he have? He had 55 throws. <laughs> I mean, Christ. That sounds and like 17 ru- rushes, yeah. I think. That sounds like, like an issue. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, um 14 carries for 52 yards for the Texas yeah, offense. That that definitely sounds like an issue. Yeah. There's also a very clear difference between Kyle Porter, who got the bulk of the reps, and Chris Warren. Guess what, folks? Chris Warren's a lot better than Kyle Porter at running back. Yes. Um, Is it a health issue? No, I mean he was out there and okay. he was looking good. They just they just were committed to Porter. That I mean, was confusing. The, yeah, I didn't the, understand why we didn't feed the ball to Warren. The more. idea, I think, the idea was that por- the Porter was a more dynamic player out of the backfield, mm-hmm. catching the ball, and the Texas was behind early and they had to make up make up ground. It did seem like, but it does yeah, see, finish. And that's the other thing that it's like. Why w- Texas didn't just magically get down twenty-seven to seven? Sure, it was a flurry of points, but they and sure they gave up a lot of big plays. But Shane Bouchelle was also terrible mm-hmm. on those first few drives. Nowhere to go, no confidence, and 
he also has a very strong receiving core. That's one of the few strengths. Dorian yeah. Leonard, how Colin would you Johnson. Just, how would you describe, and again, not seeing more than like one play of Texas offense all game and all season, how would you describe for people that are blind and for people that haven't watched the games, those one percenters, how would you describe Texas offense identity, their strategy? The strategy is think about the University of Houston last year. Think about uh, the a, University of Houston had a dynamic dual threat quarterback, but that's so. what Tom Herman wants to run, and he's running those plays. So it's a lot of like it's a lot of so zone read, QB rollouts, like what kind zone of things options, are we seeing? But it's a lot of it's a lot of plays designed designed for rollouts, and it's a lot of plays designed for the quarterback to get to the edge and cut up field. Okay, it's a lot of it's and and um, a lot. Would uh, you say there was a downfield passing attack or crossing routes or short hitches? What kind of stuff were you seeing from the passing attack? Because they threw fifty-five passes. Yeah, well, you saw a lot of a lot of short passes okay. to the sidelines, a lot of kind of deep uh, bombs, and um, it just wasn't it it wasn't clicking. And okay. it wasn't again. I just I, I want to be clear because I, I don't think that it's fair to just say, well, the offensive line wasn't good. Uh, the offensive line wasn't good, but it Shea Bouchelle consistently had three seconds or more to throw, and he just wasn't. It just wasn't clicking for him. And, and now. Don't take my word for it, because guess what? Guess what, fellas? He's got a bruised throwing shoulder. Mm-hmm. That's his fault. He's 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 mispracticed this week. Yeah, so we don't even know if he if he's going to start. He's got, and I'm, I'm I'm putting air quotes here on bruised throwing shoulder. Oh, you think this is a conspiracy? I I think that if Shane Bouchelle this won, happened to him a couple times last year. I, I, if Shane Bouchelle was healthy, he'd be out there. If Shane Bouchelle was banged up. And Texas won, and he looked good. He'd be out there. Yeah. But this is a this is a great opportunity to, it, you know. Bring in. Bring in the Westlake kid. Bring in Sam Allen. Another true freshman that didn't even play last season in high school. Well, I think because he was injured. I think. Oh, it's, I th- I th- well, he's he's dynamic with his feet. He's a better fit until for the his Herman knees offense. explode. Because right now, I think Hurd is taking the backup snaps. Bring, yeah, well, Gerard Hurd. Jared Hurd is well, Gerard Hurd, if you look at Houston the last few years, they've had a guy that looks basically exactly like Gerard Hurd. Yeah. Small, uh, short, super fast. He was quick. the last quarterback that was really exciting to watch for a few games. <laughs> a couple games. <laughs> a couple games. Y'all not remember last season, the majority of the games when we were completing 80-yard touchdown passes? No, I remember. So you're a, sh- you're a Shane Bouchelle no, apologist. No, I'm, I'm not an apologist. I didn't see the game. What I would say is if you look at his strengths and his weaknesses – if you look at what he did last year, if you look at where the offense was in an installation for a new scheme, um, there were things that worked. The rushing attack was dynamic because you spread the field and you were, had the ability to attack vertically. The vertical passing attack got a lot of single coverage, and Shane Bouchelle seemed to excel at putting the ball in the right place. No, I think he's now, a talented the intermediate. I don't, ra- think, the intermediate I don't think that's route, fair to say because he really didn't. I mean, he truly didn't. He had... Numbers. Texas was bad last year. Texas was a, a, what? Is no, no, no. And I'm not. Again, I, was he a fully developed quarterback? No. Did he? Read, Could he throw a seven yard slant? No. Did he read the Could field? He, did we no. Did, did he read no, the field? No. He was on a tight leash, and he, he was he executed exactly. a Baylor offense. Sterling Gilbert right. had so a he, tight leash on him. He did what he, he was, was told. bringing Tyrone swoops in the red zone, um, he and he would hand he it off told. to you know one of the NFL's most promising young backs, Deontay Foreman, who's no longer there. Uh, I, I, Shane, Shane Bouchelle, you're right. He did what he was told. And now he's in a, he's with a coach and an offensive coordinator who doesn't value his skill set. 
and he's set up to fail. I don't know how Shane Bouchelle is going to work. And I think what you're going to see this weekend is not Shane Bouchelle. And if Sam or Gerard come in and play well, I think we're looking at the end of the Shane Bouchelle era. And that, again, just so you can hear it, you're not dogging an eight, a 19-year-old kid. You're saying that he's not put in a position to succeed, though he's not been given the opportunity to develop. I he's mean, had two offensive coordinators in two years, two different with philosophies. With very different philosophies. Very different philosophies. Very different philosophies. Um, and he looked very jittery. And more, more than that, more than that, you know, if you look at somebody like Jer- Jared Goff, who's, who's at the Los Angeles Rams, um, uh, first overall pick out of University of Cal. Remember Torch Texas. Torch Texas goes at Cal. What's Goff's problem right now is that he is afraid, and he can't stop thinking about getting hit, and he struggles to look downfield, and he struggles to settle into the pocket. And when you play like that, you can't succeed in football. And you're seeing that in Shane Bouchel. He's he's a, he's, a, he's a jitterbug right now, and he can't settle his feet. And I hope he turns a corner, and I'm rooting for him. And and yeah, you're right. He showed toughness. He showed heart. Played big, but um, yeah, and again, not seeing this game based on how he played last year, getting taking hits, doing everything he was asked wasn't complex. It's just like as a competitor, I don't know what more you could want from a an eighteen year old quarterback. Um, I I wouldn't have any questions about him competing uh, if he's put in the wrong position, if his offensive line, if he's relying on tight ends to block defensive ends that can't do it. That's not a strong suit. Um, <laughs> Then like not for ten years now. I can't blame a kid if your feet are antsy when you know five plays in a row the same guys got beat and they coaches send him out there again. Um, what what's he supposed to do? Well, but again, he I routinely mean, had protection. He routinely had I, again. I didn't see the game. I'm, I'm not. I'm he, not saying he he stepped into a lot of throws that 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 you know didn't 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 do a great job anticipating the rush and. And stepped into some bad throws, but also he had plenty of time to execute. So if you had to choose, and this isn't, I think you're you're making a valid point about the lack of fit for Shane Bouchelle and what Tom Herman wants to do. If you had to choose where you could only work on one thing, you're Tom Herman. Where do you put your energy? The offense or the defense? I think defense. Well, the problem is, I don't know that. I mean, that's Tom Herman isn't a defensive coach. Yeah. And I don't. No, know I'm saying like in a theoretical economic exercise, you have X time, money, I just think resources. It, it, Where does it go? I think you go in the defense. But like, if you score 41 points, granted that last you should touchdown win was most kind of games. Like, I know the Big 12 is a little bit different, but, but you can't give up 51 points. To, now, to I want to ask you guys. Uh, I'm listening. The big, the big, the big thing that you know, Don over in. Buda keeps saying when he calls into 1049 the horn is and that's why you listen to this show to hear the recaps of who's calling in to the local sports talk radio is hey guess what guys Texas football doesn't play defense doesn't develop defensive players over in Alabama the best athletes play defense here in Texas we don't have a defensive identity philosophy we're just there to be tackling dummies we're just there because we're not good enough to play receiver so we play defense um, and we don't produce any defensive players, and yet University of Texas keeps recruiting defensive players. We're never going to be able to be any good. That's what Don's saying. That's what that's that that's that's, so, that's the argument, right? That, that's what you keep hearing this week. It's like why can't Texas stop anybody or Baylor or Texas A and M? Oh, you're saying it's it's a malaise in the a, whole state, state of Texas, thing. right? Yeah. The state of Texas can't play defense. They're, they're questioning our well. Basic a lot of the players, and I don't know the numbers, but a lot of the players that Alabama has on their defense, not a lot, but some. 
are recruited from Texas. They're recruited from all over the nation. Uh, part of it is uh, philosophy and strategy. I mean, you have offensive coaches at Texas. You did at Baylor. You did at Texas A&M. Um, at, at Alabama, you don't have an offensive coach. There you go. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? It, which is that what, where your priorities are There's are been a laid. surge in hiring offensive coaches at big Texas schools. And Charlie, but Charlie Strong it's what was sells, lost. It's what, tells, it's what sells tickets. Charlie, Strong, Charlie Strong was a defensive coach. Charlie so. Strong was a defensive coach, which, which was totally well. Maybe Charlie Strong isn't, isn't a very good coach. I don't know. Um, he was, he, yeah. I mean, Did he play Saturday? Did their team play? Man, they I, did. I, they played like two weeks ago. Right? Yeah, they're, they're like one and one, but okay. they, they haven't looked good. Oh, they lost to someone. Yeah, they lost their oh. opening game because he com- he made a comment about only like fourteen thousand people showed up or something. something it's bad. a little bit different. Yeah, you at South Florida's already played two games. You okay. had fourteen thousand people yelling racial epithets at the at Gosh. the last place you played. To Jeez be, to I mean, we're, we're we're talking an awful lot about Texas football guys, but I think we had to get it out a little bit. We had to because because going into the game now. All right, so. So are you gonna you're gonna go to the game. You're gonna continue to go. Are you gonna continue? I think he has to season put, tickets. Why not? You're gonna continue to put your orange colored glasses on and just enjoy the Saturday. Or what, what does that look like for Ramon Ramirez? Well, all right. So last weekend, I had a very nice day, and you know my my brother-in-law Jackson. He's a freshman now. He's he got capped, so he's a UTA for a year. But he drove down for the game. Uh, my wife Victoria, we Jackson, Jackson's parents. We went down to the game, and. Uh, Ricky Williams had a tailgate for Harvey victims, so it was you know twenty dollars, and you you donate twenty dollars, and you get access to the food and the drink area, and you and we, you know we took a picture with Arian Foster, the Houston Texan running back, great. So I, I, I had a lovely day, and I love game days. Uh, we got that Corona sponsorship now. Horns up, limes in, horns up, limes in. So you can walk into the promotional Corona. We did get the subpar beer it's for a subpar yeah. football it's Im- team. It's important to have the lime. Because when you're watching Texas football, you don't want to get scurvy. <laughs> I, Corona's Corona is incredible because Corona like is shitty beer, mm-hmm. but they say, "Hey, put some lime on it." Yeah, and but do, do they have one that's just it is Corona with lime? Do they no, have no, no, like no. a separate? No, it's a, a two step. That's Bud Light. That's Bud Light with Bud, lime. Bud Light with yeah. lime. <laughs> we call that BLL. It's BLL. just it's Give just me some of them BLLs. <laughs> bad beer. It's skunky beer in a yeah. in a brewed and, and stored in a. Clear bottle. It's so a clear long, bottle. That's why it's as skunky. As long as you keep it from getting skunky, yeah. it's mediocre beer. And But you put a little lime in it, and then you Game find, changer. And then you well, find your no beach. Well, there's no hops, so you got to add the bittering yourself. Yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, so there you go. Horns, but people like, you know, in, in, in other countries, Corona is like considered a premium beer. It's like very, you know. Yeah, my, it's, bra- it's branding. It's branding. It's, it's mm-hmm. high end. Uh, in Australia, it's very expensive. So it's supposed to remind you of this, this beautiful beach. Yeah. Whether mm-hmm. you've ever been to Cancun or... Cabo. Your it's, beach is where you are. It's just somewhere in this mm-hmm. nice tropical mm-hmm. Mexican beach. The original Find Your Beach commercial was filmed in a, in Cozumel. There you go. Cozumel. Um, so anyway, guys, um, yeah, you know, I think we, we got to keep going. We got to enjoy. So, yeah, what's your and game plan? You take what you can. My game plan enjoyment. is tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, I, I love the English Premier League and, and I like soccer and, and more and more. I enjoy that more and more than I do football. Because For those of you on the live stream, you can see the uh, Hotspur, the Tottenham jersey. Got the Tottenham jersey and the kit. There's something just really like it's it's nice to root for a color and a team that you like, and you're just kind of detached from it, and you don't get too angry or too sad, and you just kind of enjoy watching them play. And 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 that's really what it's all about is do, you know can I get to a point where I enjoy watching Texas football? So here I have a question. Do you think that's possible? Like at the game Saturday, were you angry? Were you no, disbelief. Were you apathetic. Were you? What, what was the going? Because I was I was watching with some friends, and 
at the end of it, I just had no feelings. I was like, yeah, they, they they're losing and they lost. Okay, like I, I'm I'm embarrassed know? by this because I, I make it a point with college football. You know, you you just can't get mad at an 18 to 22 year old amateur athlete. Like you just can't. Yeah. Unless they yeah they're not getting paid millions of dollars. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They yeah. work. They're also supposed to be going to class. Mm-hmm. They work right. 20 hours a week right. at this football thing. I'm just it's just I I try I do everything that I can to just be like well. What are you gonna do? Especially you when you're do? ten years older than them. And especially when you like <laughs> when you like if you like football, it's just you know like yeah. it's never as simple as this. But unfortunately, no. I turned into the guy who went on Facebook and said Shane Bouchel sucks, <laughs> and this on this podcast, this kid sucks because he sucks. A week later, because that podcast. kid doesn't have it. That kid doesn't have okay. it. Okay, and and when by we not, come back by it by it. I mean, that kid's never gonna win a national championship. <laughs> uh, I think that's fair to say. Now his job this year is to be just good enough that. Someone else out there mm-hmm. feels inspired to come and take his job, <laughs> but he doesn't have it. And his it's job is to go to defense, I think. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating to not see growth. So as I was leaving section twenty nine late in the fourth quarter, I, I yelled, "You guys! <laughs> oh, you left! You left early! Left late! Yeah, I mean, I, I left with like three minutes left. Okay, and then I finished watching the game at the Ricky Williams tailgate. Back at back at Ricky's. Back at Ricky's. See, I, I'm I'm a little surprised you left. I feel like that's not a Ramon Ramirez. I like to say the I like to hear the song. I feel like you stay for Texas you like to hear it. I like win to hear or lose, song. you stay for the song. I stay for the song with the with the <laughs> racially uncomfortable past, <laughs> with the minstrel past that that the the the, oh, the, the hashtag problematic song. Are yeah. we going to remove that from campus? Oh God, I don't know. I mean, that's one of those things where if 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 it's only a matter of time before enough African American students realize where that song yeah. comes from, yeah. and there's like a woke movement mm. to like get rid of it, and I'll sign the petition. I don't. It's I, I. don't have any commitment to. I've been working on the railroad. You know. I don't yeah. give a shit about. But that. But isn't so, it an older song too? Like something about. Well, what happened was that the, it's it, like for those who don't know, at the turn of the century, uh, tech, uh, there was a minstrel show. There was like an annual minstrel show. It was like a charity thing. Like a charity mm-hmm. thing. I mean, we're not defending the show, but. No. It, well, but I, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's what you did. People yeah. had their their annual minstrel show for charity for their club, and they uh, did a minstrel show with set to "I've Been Working on the Railroad," and people just thought it was a riot. And that just that song stuck, and that became and that became our song. That became so again, pe- you know, white students in blackface saying, "I've been working on the railroad," and during a minstrel show at the University of Texas, and that is our school song. Yeah. So wait, when did the lyrics of the Eyes of Texas? They sang those lyrics in the show, or that was created Correct. at a later time? They, yeah, because it was it was like the the there was remember the, you know this there was an old there was an old like a, a school official who would always say, "The Eyes of Texas are upon you," and so they. They they would riff on we that. We call in Jim Nicar to tell us all about it, <laughs> and so they would they would they would sing. Or Don from so, Utah. So so in a minstrel song with white students dressed in blackface, they sang "I've Been Working on the Railroad" set to "The Eyes of Texas," and people just thought it was a hoot. Mm. So now we have it, but uh, but at the so. What are, you, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? I don't are, know. Yeah, I don't tough. know. We got we. It's just I I really cannot bring myself to get mad at that, but. But not yet, not yet, because everything is has like a racist past. If you think about especially it, especially you know? in the South, right? I'm wearing a yeah. Nike jersey that was made by like a little Asian kid. You know, like yeah. the, so, I, you can only you can only you can be aware. You can, you can aware. try to you can try to make things better. If UT if if it is a sign of a non inclusive, um, I think hurtful place. Uh, if everyone of all colors, creeds, um, beliefs, and backgrounds can't stand in the stadium and sing the same song and bond together then yeah maybe that's not the best place but if it's not an issue let's not make it this sounds that's kind of how i feel no it sounds but i think i I think it's what i'm saying is like yeah 
maybe we shouldn't hide the past, but you can make your own decision. If you feel uncomfortable singing it with mm-hmm. your students, that is an inclusive, I think, open place where the freedom to be whoever you are. Yeah. If that's not what it represents now, then maybe. And I mean, like the, the U.S. flag, all pro- that's like saying the Stars and Stripes have also represented oppression and right. anti-immigration and lots of things. Right. Well, uh, we created war. Then what's in, cool about in, the what's cool about the Star Spangled Banner is that it's a it's a it's an old drinking song, right? So it's like we're, we're it's a drinking song set to like these this patriotic yeah. moment mm-hmm. in this battle in like the Baltimore Harbor. Uh, I've been working in on the, the railroad. St- started with a shitty thing, and there are like back when I was in school. Uh, you know, my friend TJ, who's a, a, a successful attorney in Los Angeles, and he he he, he didn't want to sing the song. So it's just one of those things where it is. There's no avoiding the shittiness of it, but also people just don't really think about it. And I don't want to be the guy who shows up and is like, "Did you know? Did you know this song is actually kind yeah, of yeah?" And that, and that's TJ's choice, but yeah. at the same time, like, uh, let's not condone the past. Yeah, but again, let's make UT a better place. Um, and if we can all, we can all wear the same color and all sing the same song and make it represent something else. Yep. I'm not saying reclaim the past or, um, forget what happened, but like UT was a different, I mean, black students weren't even allowed to go to UT right. uh, until the federal government forced it. Weren't we the, we were until the, last, the Supreme uh, court said that you, that had to be the case. I, don't know, I, I love the UT community. I, you know, I, I value it deeply. So we're, we're I don't I don't think anyone's saying like, you know we shouldn't represent recognize anything that happened at UT as a research institution, or as the state university because it represented uh, Jim Crow up until right. the federal government said. Right. So it's just like yeah, but that's who we were and we've grown, and hopefully that's part we can recognize that and and learn and so that doesn't happen again and we don't say oh professors of this background or students of this background shouldn't be allowed, whatever that is, whether that's a political ideology, uh, a religious uh, faith, uh, a way you identify, like we, we can learn from the past. So to close on this note, yeah, because this, this turned into the Texas football where we're talking, we're talking out our feelings. Um, <laughs> Therapy session. Austin Talbert. Yeah. Had we recorded this show last week, uh-huh. going into the Maryland home game, we're 18-point favorites. Tom Herman era. He's about the process. He's about the details. He's fixed up all the details. He had front of the pod Chip, <laughs> Chip Brown saying Texas is going to go 12-1 and one God. and make the college football playoff. <laughs> they still could. Yeah, they still, go. That said, Chip Brown might be right. What's your... Usually is. What would have been your outlook for the 2017 Texas Longhorns? What would have been your... Yeah, and I don't, I don't... This can sound like hindsight. And I don't want it to be. Let's look at foresight. Let's not imagine, let's let's not talk about the first game. I and for whatever reason, friends of the pod have come from it at different angles. I've never thought that a new coach would address all the issues. Um, I thought unless they were willing to do the hard work, I think the Texas rebuild from where we're at is a multiple year process. I didn't expect us to win 10 games this year. I expected Texas to have a winning record. I expect 7-5. and five. That's my expectation. Uh, with understanding, regardless of our offensive identity, we had the same offensive coordinator, and Shane Bouchelle progressed, and the offense was a little bit more complicated and complex in attacking the middle of the field. 
I still think that there would be some sophomore sophomore struggle because the pressure of being the man on a college campus, there's you can look at the history. This happens. The guys that have great freshman seasons, when it's us against the world, or when it's you're fighting for the job and no one has any expectations from you, do great. But if you look at like a Garrett Gilbert, who already had the high expectations from day one, again, his freshman year, he was a backup. From day one, you struggle in that next year when the pressure's on you. So my expectations were for the offense to hopefully get a little bit more dynamic, but struggle, uh, maybe have some ups and downs quarterback-wise, but rely on the talent at the skill positions, both running back being Chris Warren uh, and the real talent at the wide receiver including uh, Kirk Johnson, who I don't even – Colin Johnson, who I don't even Colin, think Colin. saw much of the field. Well, he, he, he got a lot of garbage time statistics. He was our lead but receiver. But Colin Johnson, as you saw last year, uh, as anyone that has seen practice, has seen him play even in seven-on-seven, seven, the guy has Sunday ability. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they have a quarterback that can get him the ball, a scheme to get him the ball, uh, or maybe he doesn't get along with it. I have no idea why. Maybe he wasn't on the field in the he was, key I moments. mean, he was our leading receiver. He had like seven catches for 145 yards. Couple, I mean, he, he had a big game. It just it came at the end when it didn't. Right. Happen. So when when they were when it was zero to zero, he wasn't on the field. Right. Uh, I don't. I can't explain why. No, he, had, he had a touchdown called back early on. I mean, he was yeah. on the field. He I don't know. I didn't see the game. I can't explain why. I would think he would have a big year. Uh, I would think. Uh, again, you had a lot of playmakers. That again, part of it was the scheme last year. So you might not see as many 80-yard touchdowns and 75-yard touchdowns, but I would expect him to make plays. Um, I would expect the running game to be strong with the talent at running back, and um, you have an All-American. All-American. All-American right tackle. Um, so I I don't – that said, um, my, my concerns were still with the defense. Um, we haven't had – and this is coming from someone that this is – more of where I identify and where how I played football it's like you haven't had anyone with awareness on the field in defense in a long time um and talent five-star talent is great and five-star talent um when applied to a system and added to very defined roles at like somewhere like Alabama can prevent I mean can create very impressive uh hard to move um defenses but five-star talent put in roles where they're confused and apprehensive and can't read and diagnose offenses um, is just you make mistakes faster. Um, And so this isn't to point the finger at any one player, but Texas just, I don't know. If that to say, I did think there would be more awareness from the coaching staff on the strengths and weaknesses of the talent that they did have. Yep. And there would be some adjustments based on what they like to do, what Todd Orlando likes to do, what Tim Beck likes to do. And for the next, for the first year, for the first two years before they get the players that they like, there would be some adjustments to try to put those players in good positions. Uh, Uh, That's what I would have expected. But again, I would expect that from any coaching staff getting paid $5 million as a head coach and multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars as assistant coaches. I would expect that. I would expect that from a high school coach. So, and again, this isn't, I'm not trying to like, I didn't see the game. 
it's one game into the season. Austin, I didn't see the game tell. <laughs> no, it's one game into the season. You know, Texas might end up being eight and four or seven and five and hit right on the expectations. But I also just seven years of malaise and struggle and just changing as a person and as a sports fan of like uh, you can't ride the roller coaster of up and down week to week. You need to see a progression um, and you need to be able to step back and look at the bigger picture. And a coach has to do that. Um, and, you know, me as a fan, I want to try to do that because if I want Texas to be successful, regardless of if they're going to ever get back to the highest level, then we need to see certain things and you need to have an offensive and defensive identity. You need to have, whether you attract the greatest talent or not, you want to see them develop and get better, stronger, uh, and more confident while they're on campus. And if we can't do that, then you're, you're not going to compete for, for anything, much less national championship. So uh, that, that's what I would still want to see this year. I would want to see some kind of awareness of what they have. I would want to see uh, people put in positions to succeed. I would want to see identifying whether it's young talent or just making changes when you need to make changes. And whether that's at quarterback or linebacker or at offensive play calling, whatever it is. Um, well, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, Tom Herman, for all his details and all his process stuff, we thought he was going to come and see what he had in game plan around what he had. And it's, it's very clear that in his interaction with the players, right, that he, he, he says this. When he first met the team, he told everybody to sit up straight, and he basically said, this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to be. And in the post game, in, in the Monday press conference on Longhorn Network, he was very clear. He said they tried to be too perfect. In other words, they tried to do exactly. <laughs> I wonder why they tried to do yeah. exactly what I told them to do. I wonder why. And they were and, and there was there was widespread confusion. So so yeah, I, I I'd like to OCD see OCD process man somehow overwhelms eighteen year olds. <laughs> yeah, they tried to be too perfect. And so for me, exactly what you said. Can we see growth? Uh, 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 from the coaching staff, from the players, and and more than that, can you can you learn from this year? Because you're going to go to Morgantown, you're going to go to Dallas, you're going to go to Los Angeles, and you're probably going to get a little embarrassed, and that's okay. Can you learn from that? Can you can you not ruin the prospects? Can you can you not have you know like the Oakland Raiders for a while, where this black hole where first round draft picks would just go in there and just hate football and retire yeah. two years yeah, later, right? Yeah. So can you can you can you learn from what's coming? And yeah, sure. can you create a culture that has, I think. Uh, the whole thing, whether the hype was justified or not, people are desperate for, they want to see optimism from Texas football. And whether game one is an indicator of where the program is heading or... Um, well, it's, it's, it's an indicator of where the program is and what he I had. Think, I think that's true. And now, and so now, whether, it's adjust- a, whether it's an indicator of how it goes or how it responds, it's fine. But it is a good signpost to tell you that, and that this isn't, I'm not defending Tom Herman, but I'm telling fans. No, Nick Saban could have come in, and in nine months, again, you would have had different issues. I don't think you would have had some of the issues, but there were, there's some fundamental issues that have plagued the Texas football program, and part of it is it can be scheme, it can be play calling, it can be attitude, it can be uh, – expectations from the media and from campus and from the community but you can't overcome all of that you need to have a process so i'm not i'm not going to judge anything if if tom herman doesn't go 10 and 2 
with the talent that Charlie Strong had recruited and left, which was pretty good. If we're, I'm not, if then I don't think that's a failure. If he goes nine and three, but every week it is a week to week struggle to find what they're trying to do, and you're winning shootout games 55 to 50, then I don't, I think that's probably more concerning. Um, if, if there's a process, and I don't mean a Tom Herman process, but a way where it seems that people are put in positions to succeed, there's development. Uh, there's a whole, there's a, there's a realization of where you're deficient. And I mean, Texas, we've seen this multiple times with Manny Diaz, with um, what was the guy's name? Brian Harson. Vance, Vance Bedford. Oh, Vance Bedford. Yeah. Uh, the defense is struggle early in the season with these complicated schemes. And Greg Robinson comes in and just plays base defense. And somehow magically they improve overnight. Uh, Manny Diaz. Yeah. That was when he was fired. Uh, Vance Bedford's demoted and Charlie Strong starts calling base defense and they improve not dramatically, but somewhat. It's like um, you would think that Todd Orlando and the Texas coaching staff wouldn't believe that the, the difference isn't that they're smarter and their schemes are better. They would go, oh, maybe this, when we get too complicated, this group of players, and I'm not judging their intelligence, this group of players begins to overthink things and they struggle. But when we let them, the athletic, talented players they are, and we put them in good positions to succeed in a fast enough manner to go against the teams that move at a fast pace in the Big 12, that they'll be able to make the plays at a higher percentage. And again, that's a different strategy. But we've seen this thing happen multiple times. Um, not having awareness, and I, again, I don't know if that's what happened, but if that continues to happen, you got to say, like, insanity, your high school coach told you what insanity was, right? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So you can change who's getting the $5 million, but if you're doing the same things, you can't really expect different results. And, folks, we're going to have to cut it off there. This has been the Tailgate Tangent Media's Hyperlocal <laughs> Podcast, the pulse of Austin. Uh, coming up next, we're gonna give you f- next week, we're going to give you five ways to beat the heat. <laughs> And uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get back to the hyperlocal 100, but we just had to get it out. Yeah. We just had to get it out this week. Thanks for staying with us. Let's play the easy cap song.